we were in Birmingham, Alabama. My mom calls and says, hey, everything's going to be okay, but I have cancer. And uh, I remember just freezing. And, and at the time, I had high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I was already having uh, my stress and anxiety manifest in my arms. And I, I would get numbness and tingling. And I'm, I'm battling back and forth, trying not to convince myself that I have ALS. And, and uh, I'm literally all just paralyzed with, with uh, panic and, and this, uh, this anxiety on a level that I, it's hard to describe. Hello, world. I'm Andy Petronic, co-founder of the Whole Life Challenge, and welcome to episode 156 of the Breaking Ordinary podcast. This is a show about raising the bar, improving your life, and transforming your health, fitness, and well-being, shattering the status quo. My guests are people who have found their inner strength and confidence to lead from the front, to stand out, to be different, and to truly make a difference in the world of health, fitness, and well-being. Their stories will astound, inspire, and inform, and will help you generate ideas that spring you into action. Well, as I enjoy my cup of coffee on Monday morning, I am, I've just got to say how grateful I am that you guys are listeners and that you're tuning in and that you're checking out the show. Um, you know, I do my best to bring really cool guests and um, really fun conversations to the show that are, that, are, that are not just fun for the sake of fun. They're fun for the sake of relevance to health, fitness, and well-being. And today's guest does not disappoint at all. His name is Thad Beatty. Uh, <laughs> I laugh. He's the guitarist for a band named Sugarland. And uh, he's also an unlikely Ironman coach. I'm, I'm not going to spoil it, um, tell you too much uh, in advance. Actually, I'm going to get back to it in a second. I'll introduce Thad. Um, I want to talk about a couple other things first. Um, the, the first of which is this is Breaking Ordinary. Yes. It's a new name. And so I'm so excited about it. It just jazzes me uh, to no end that. I've finally got a name that I am inspired by, absolutely love, and it really describes what we do, you know, the conversations we have. Every one of my guests is doing something to break the mold, to upset the status quo, and they're all in the realm of health, fitness, and well-being. So, um, you know, I'm calling it 156, episode 156, it's really episode number two of the Breaking Ordinary podcast, but um, it is hundred and the 156th podcast that we've, that I have produced via the whole life challenge. So, um, there you have it. Uh, as I mentioned to you guys last week, I'm, I'm starting to do corporate speaking engagements to speak about strategies for wellness in life and workplace using the whole life challenge as a vehicle for that. If you're interested in having me come to your business or company, just send me an email at podcast at whole Whew. Got that out. Um, I want to let you guys know about my monthly newsletter, Stepping Up. You can find out all about that. It's pithy, short, bullet points, cool things you can incorporate in your life if you want to. Things that I find. I'm, I, I'm really just sharing things that I find interesting. And um, I send it out once a month only. I'm not spamming anyone. And um, you can find out more about that at andypetronic.com. I also have a um, really pretty solid batch. 
if I don't say so myself, of bodyweight workouts. It's the list of them are on my website at andypetronic.com forward slash workouts. They're also, you know, I publish them via the whole life challenge. So uh, I have a lot of people in the challenge that are doing them to satisfy their body weight requirements. It's not a programmed set of workouts. I only publish once a week and you can go in and literally pick any one of the 41 and have a great workout. It's body weight. It's doesn't require any equipment. It really, some of them don't even require you to change clothes depending on the work clothes you wear. And they don't require really any space. In fact, a few of them I recorded right here in my office, which is tiny. And um, just to show you that it doesn't require hardly any space. Like the size of a yoga mat. It's pretty much it most of the time. Um, and um, yeah, what else? I'm headed off right now just to give you a little bit of raw and relevance in my life. It's been a very long time since I've done any sort of sequestered off the grid training for my own personal improvement, development, transformation, etc. And uh, this week I am headed off to something called Warrior Week. Um, you know, it's got a <laughs> I was a marine, so anything that uses the words warrior uh I have I I I look at and go Really? Is it really warrior? Well, this really is. Um, I've been practicing and develop and and um, prepping for this for the last two months, and it's it's really the warrior part is really about the inner journey that I am on, not as much about the outer. Although there is an outer journey too. It's a program for men that I'm involved with, and um, I actually am getting an incredible amount of value from. So uh, I am off for a full week of off the grid training that I'm a little bit nervous about. So that's what's happening in my life in the interest of full disclosure. I may share, I may share something about it. I'm not sure how much I can share because if any of you out there decide you two are interested in doing warrior, um, I don't want to spoil it for you. So uh, any of you men anyway, there's not, they're working on a program for women, but right now it's just for men. Anyway, um, let's talk about Thad Beatty, the guest today. Um, you know, I've never really had a conversation with a rock star. He's a freaking rock star. I mean, this guy, he's not the lead person. I'm, I'm not a Sugarland follower or big fan. I was referred to Thad because of his unlikeliness as an Ironman coach. And he who also happens to be a rock star, but he spent nine years with Sugarman, Sugarland. Um, you know, he shared the stage with Lady Gaga, Bon Jovi, Kenny Chesney, Rihanna, Beyonce. Are you kidding me? Albums that sell upwards of ten million copies. You know, like this guy is selling out stadiums. So some of the conversation we have is really fun about what it's like to be on stage in a stadium as a rock star doing this. I, some things I had never, ever thought about would come up in the conversation, which is really fun. But he had a few traumatic events that occurred in his life, including his mom being diagnosed with colon cancer, some people dying. We talk a little bit about why, what happened, and then what caused this transformation because he transformed, he lost 70, 70 pounds and decided he was going to do Ironman. 
And, you know, that's a funny journey too, because Iron Man, the organization, he, he, he was pitching them to become like a spokesperson and they were like, yeah, right. This guy, ha. And, um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty cool, pretty fun story. And he has now, I mean, check this out. He goes on tour and he's, he pulls up at a new tour stop and instead of, I don't really know what other rock stars do because I've never really talked to other rock stars, but it certainly doesn't normally involve in my mind taking out their road bike and going for a road bike ride, you know, in the middle of Kentucky or in the middle of West Virginia or in the middle of California, for goodness sake, um, or going for a run and, you know, not having a place to shower, you know, they got the tour bus. Not they, they they do sometimes, but not all the time. Like it's it's just crazy. He's also now a coach. He's been on. He's helped people through the experience of doing endurance events for themselves, like people that are overweight and who, um, you know, need that kind of coaching. And he's been on ABC's Extreme Makeover Weight Loss Edition. He's been featured in People Magazine, Triathlete, Competitor, CNN, Ironman.com, uh, Transform Your Health, AOL. This guy's a, a rock star and a rock star, if you know what I mean. So uh, I'm not going to belabor this any longer. Let's get him in here, shall we? Three, two, one, go. Here we go. Thad Beatty. Enjoy. Thad, welcome to the Andy Petronic Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. I think it's going to be a, a fun little time here. Well, it's already been fun. I mean, I just learned something about the music business that uh, I found out that when I attend a show, or any of you out there that attend, attend a show, we are the monkeys, not That's the right. guys on stage. <laughs> They're looking at us, yeah. and they have this, these, these personal communicators that, uh, that give them the ability to heckle amongst one another all the people in the audience. Yes, so, be- so when, when you go to a show and you think you're uh, – uh, you're just watching the band. We're watching you too and talking about it. So uh, <laughs> I love that. We can we can see the prelude to the girl fights as it starts to you know as it starts to kind of bubble up and you can tell that the two girls that have had a little too much are about to get fussy or you know the guys that the guys that are uh, being a little machismo or the you know once a month the uh, marriage proposal or the uh, the frat guy that refused to sit down in front of the old lady the other night and some some guy he had to step in so these are things that we want to see because they make the shows unique for us so uh, it's each of our personal responsibilities to have our eyes open and say all right section one fourteen about three rows back check out the guy wearing the such and such and the such and such and then it's uh, it goes from there so, so we just recently we recently warned. had a guy yeah, be warned who, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, we had a guy who I feel as though has spent the last five years practicing his dance moves uh, to every song. And he came, he had a front row seat directly in front of Jennifer, and he had the entire show choreographed. And wow. I could not look for the entire almost two-hour show at anything other than him. It wow. Was, uh, he had some, he had some, I'm talking for real moves. Some good stuff out there. Do you guys bring people up on stage ever? Do you like? Would you? Would he be a guy you brought up, or do you just not uh, do that? You know, it, it 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 all depends. Every show is different, and if if the if the things are right, maybe someone someone gets up there. But uh, you know, I think we learned a long time ago that uh, the uh, potential for that to go extremely uh, downhill um, 
it's a, it's a, it's a high risk scenario, not for us, but, but, uh, yeah, folks at shows who've had a couple of cocktails or maybe a, a $12 beer. Um, it, uh, it can get interesting or six. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Have you ever had an incident occur like that? That, um, comes to mind? Uh, not with anyone on stage, but there's definitely been times where, where, uh, uh, we went through this rash of shows, uh, back in the day where every time we played one specific song during the guitar solo of that song, it's kind of like the emotional apex of the show, Mm -hmm. a fight would erupt. And this is like show after show after show where this is happening. And so eventually one night, uh, Jennifer just stops the whole show and she is brilliant. Her mind works so quickly. She stops the whole show. Everyone separates. And here are two guys who've been fighting. And so she's able to, uh, draw attention to them, uh, let them immediately feel, uh, as though they're some of the most ridiculous people on earth. Uh, you know, the seas part, these two dudes are standing there. They realize we're a bunch of boneheads. Security comes in and gets them. Everybody applauds as they leave. And Jennifer immediately counts us back in and the show goes on. Wow. And, and so there's little things like that that happen throughout the years. and uh, yep. Or just like, uh, and I think it's going on this week, the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. So oh, yeah. basically South, South Dakota, all these motorcycle dudes drive in from all over the country. It's hundreds of thousands of cyclists. and uh, 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 Not road cyclists like us, but you know, Harley, dudes, Harley, Harley drivers, yeah. And they come in and they ride their motorcycles into the show. And so there's just motorcycles parked everywhere. And you're playing, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, 50, 75,000 people in a field. And between with, songs. With Harleys in the field oh, yeah, with yeah. them. Oh, wow. yeah, they're, they're using their, their motorcycles as their seat. Between <laughs> songs, they crank their bikes and rev the engines as their applause. And wow. so just, just imagine thousands of Harleys going. Rawr! Wow. Uh, we were, we were, it was us and ZZ Top one oh, time. Wow. Playing Sturgis with ZZ Top and you're, it's about as good as it gets. That's from a, pretty amazing. Yeah. That's rocking standpoint. Really? Did, uh, w- I can imagine the, the roar of the engines would be almost as loud as the concert or it's more right. or louder. Like the first time they did it, uh, I, you, you don't expect it and you're not anticipating it. It hits you and you feel as though, uh, you're in the middle of, uh, of a hurricane. Yeah. Or, or a tornado. And then you go, oh, that's these guys' way of saying thanks, which is right. pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And now you embrace it and you look forward to it and then just the power of it. And it just, it's reciprocal. And there's something magic about certain shows that do that and the energy they have. So that show produces that energy and which gives us more energy to give to them, which gives them more energy. And it just escalates into this, this, uh, this partnership. It's a beautiful partnership uh, going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Or like Red Rocks in Colorado. I don't know if you've been to a show there, but you have uh, this stage that just is in the middle of this naturally occurring amphitheater with these golden uh, rocks rising from the sides and the people are there. And just the way that the moon and the stars set over the stage. And and as you're on stage, you're thinking, this is one of the most uh, beautiful and uh, wonderful experiences you can have as a performer. Uh, probably the most stunning setting. The crowd is there, and they know that that's happening. And so, just this reciprocal magic between the two people, mm-hmm. uh, the fans and the artist, is is just stunning. There's nothing in the world like it. And, it, and I'm getting chills right now just because wow. that's at the end of the day, that's 
that's that's what it's about is, is it's this uh, this essence connection you know when we're 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 the music is the invitation or the vehicle for people to connect on a on a deep level and in this and in, in this moment everybody's vulnerable and everybody's celebrating and everybody's kind of together in this moment it's not us just uh, pushing things forward in the world of social media everybody's you know they're either giving or taking instead of dancing together right and so, right super cool to find these venues where you know you're dancing together it's it's like my uh my aunt was just telling me my aunt has been a musician her entire life she's a concert pianist and a teacher mm-hmm. and um it was funny because i put a post up about how the world comes together around this time of world cup and how yeah. soccer brings the world together and of course she got this email that i sent out about it and she she had to then take me to school and say, yeah. uh, well, Andrew, don't forget that music is also a unifier and there's no winners in music and it brings it. I'm like, yes, I know. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the exercise you know, great it's patience. Interesting. And I will, I'd, uh, I'd love to have a chat with, with her just because I've learned a ton. Uh, uh, so Fender, which is uh, the, the guitar company that we use just just put out a limited edition guitar called the Parallel Universe and where they take a couple of their different guitars and they smush them all together. And I thought, you know what, that 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 is pretty much what I do. And I've been blessed to be able to work with some elite high level performers in the music space, some of the top artists in the world. And then on the other side of it, I've been blessed to work with some elite performers in the sports space and to see how their minds work and to see the things that are going on. Uh, it, it's not about the thing that itself. It's not about music or sports. It's not about uh, athletics or 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 uh, uh, you know playing playing an instrument. It's it's the tool or the vehicle that that becomes to generate uh, the flow state or a performance or absolutely uh, or or uh, you know just this thing where everybody's supporting and and you just get to the this it's this communal just powerful thing that people understand people understand performance on that level and they don't necessarily uh, all know how to get there and it's cool to kind of pay attention to see you know the similarities between uh, a high level performer in music and a high level performer in sports and how you go. It's the same thing. Yep. It's the same mindset. It's the same practices and the same skills and the same insecurities and um, the self doubts and how they, how they, how they go, go through it. I'm, I've been super blessed just to kind of watch both sides and go, wait a minute. It's the same thing uh, from a brain standpoint. It's just a, you know, one person has using their legs to run. One person's using their fingers to play piano. Yeah, and I think I think one of the cool things is a spectator. Uh, I mean, I've been on both sides of both. Actually, I was a trumpet player for twenty years. I went to the Eastman School of Music, so I've been on the music mm-hmm. side. I've been on the athlete side, and uh, but as a spectator or as an audience participant, when you when the artist hits that flow state, you know, like oh, yeah. that's when everybody in the audience gets chills, and they or they watch you know some spectacular performance that's completely yeah. out of you know three shoulders above what has ever been done before, you know, or whatever, yeah. you know, it's, it's really amazing how connected we all are when those yeah. moments occur. I, I, I made a decision at the beginning of this tour uh, to, uh, to just simply open my eyes wider. And one of the things I was going to do is I was going to learn to use a camera to do it. And uh, uh, because I don't know how to use a camera, I don't know how to shoot video. I don't know anything like that. So I thought, well, this will force me to slow down. And the conclusions that I've come to is through that you see the power of the human story and you see uh, the, the vast importance of community. 
and uh, how community coming together and wrapping around something and, and uh, binding together for the cause and good is just mind-blowing and stunning. And, and uh, I've learned more probably in the past two months than, than I have in the other 43 years of my life. Regardless, I'm a, I'm a redneck from Mississippi, so it, it, it takes a little bit longer for me to, uh, to, to, to be able to process information and things like that. My wife and I are both musicians, and if the world depended on us solving a long division problem uh, <laughs> before, you know, the the apocalypse, uh, then we're all going down. So. But you could entertain the uh, the zombies when they get we, here, you know, yes. fend, fend them off with the music. That's right. We, we would do that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, well you know, I, I know that you have like a you have you have a, we're wanting to stay on the script. You told me like not to be uh, not to drag you down any of my wormholes. So. I told you. I said, look, I'm I'm for sure going to get the first question in, and you know what? It's been ten minutes, and I still haven't done the first question. It's my I fault. love it. I, take full I love responsibility. it. It's my fault. It's my fault. Okay, I'm going to shut up and listen now. Here we go. No, this is. I mean, this is great. This is t- so great because I was just thinking about. Okay, well, how do I wrangle this and bring it back into what? Why you're here? You know, and to, to be on point. And I'm working on. I've. I've just so everybody else out in the in the audience knows. I've been working on putting together the podcast into a framework that fits into nine questions. And I think we've already kind of covered well, a little bit of question one, but um, I'm just going to go in and start and kind of see where it puts us how so you you know when when i first learned about your story around health your health and well-being i was inspired i I was inspired by Mm -hmm. what occurred in your life and then the responsibility you took for shifting the things that you needed to shift in order to um i don't even know what in order to you just changed a lot of things in your life and i wanted wanted you just to talk about that yeah, well, I think it came down to uh, just uh, I'll give the uh, with the understanding that we got eight more questions to go after this. Yeah, well, um, we're going to do our best. If we don't get to eight, no big deal. So uh, I'd, I've been lucky to travel the world with a ton of awesome artists, elite, high level people that I've been blessed to learn so much from some wonderful people. And uh, it's also a stressful life. And I, you know, I did the typical thing that that many rock and rollers do is, you know, you you take take care of your emotions and idle time by uh, all kinds of things that aren't necessarily healthy, booze, food, whatever the case may be, where they feed us four times a day. We have a chef. It's, you know, it's every meal is an all you can eat buffet. And uh, I received a call one day. We were in Birmingham, Alabama. My mom calls and says, Hey, everything's going to be okay, but I have cancer. And, uh, I remember just freezing and, and at the time I had high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I was already having, uh, my stress and anxiety manifest in my arms and I, I would get numbness and tingling and I'm, I'm battling back and forth, trying not to convince myself that I have ALS and, and, uh, I'm literally always just paralyzed with, with, uh, panic and, and this, uh, this anxiety on a level that I, it's hard to describe. Um, about two weeks after that, we were in Scranton, Pennsylvania. My guitar tech um, was having weird stomach troubles. Goes into the doctors and uh, his home docs and everything, and said, "Oh, you've probably got diverticulitis or, or, or something like that." He goes in. They say, "Let's do a little blood work." Um, and this is like he's supposed to be at sound check, but instead he's at the you know the the, the uh, ER just getting this stuff checked out. Uh, and they come back and say, uh, you've got stage four lymphoma. You're not going home. And so this is right after my mom's diagnosis. 
a matter of weeks uh, go by and we're uh, performing a show at the Indianapolis State Fair and a wind shear comes through uh, the, the, the stage superstructure uh, collapses. Seven people lose their life at a show where we're performing. And this I, is, I remember uh, that. Yeah. It's seconds before we're going on stage. And at this point, it, it, all, all these things, it took that for me to have a wake up call. And I realized that I just needed to, I, I needed to take the steps to reclaim my health. And it's something that I could control and something I could do. And it was, um, our guitar tech who was diagnosed survived, uh, between three and four months. The Grammy association has a wing called music cares and they subsidize things like medical treatments for, for people, uh, uh, recovery stuff for, for people struggling with addictions and things like that. So they took care of his chemotherapy. Um, he didn't have insurance. And so I just thought, Hey, uh, I'll do one of these fundraiser things, uh, to pay them back. I'll just, they took care of him. Uh, at least we'll make it neutral. I'll raise some money. And, and yep. so I thought, okay, I'll just call Iron Man and I'll say, you know, I'm going to be that dude. Uh, I'm overweight. Uh, I'll be the, you know, the dude that goes and is your, your, uh, partial celebrity person. How did you that pick Iron Man? I mean, you could have picked something a little bit easier, like some 10 K or something. I don't know. I think I've <laughs> seen it as a kid, just like everybody else. And you think, Oh, I'm okay, cool. I'll do this. Yeah. Um, and they laughed and I was persistent and I kept calling and calling and finally got huh. through to the right people. And, um, we played a show in Tampa, uh, Tampa, Florida, which is where their home base is. And at this point I'd lost 75 pounds from my initial call to them. I was, uh, I'd carried my bike on the road. Uh, you know, we talked about the Sturgis motorcycle rally. I I'm wearing spandex going riding my, uh, pedal bicycle out on the roads <laughs> with all the guys riding by me. I thought, oh this my is a, God. This is a terrible idea. I'm, I'm going and hiding in the back lounge of the bus. To do totally. This. Totally. So finally I had uh, convinced the Ironman people to take a meeting with me and their offices on this cove, you know, so they can go swim. And they said, how about this? You come in, we'll chat for a few minutes. We'll go uh, for a swim, and then we'll go for for lunch. Did they and, ever? Did they ever take you seriously up to this point? Like, were they really? Were they just entertaining uh, the idea that ah, oh, we'll we'll see this guy? I, I whatever. They probably get a ton of requests for people, you know, with yeah. this crazy. But I was persistent, and yep. um, so I go. We have our meeting. I tell them what's going on. I'm drastically different, and they're like, "You don't look anything like the guy from the pictures on the internet." Because, like I said, I'm 75 pounds down. Yeah, uh, I'm in reasonable shape at the time, um, and uh, swimming came naturally to me. So I was a great swimmer. So we go out and do the swim that they were basically, I found out they're doing an audition or going to, yeah. you know, try to, uh, you know, see if I can handle it. Yeah. Right. Totally. And, uh, go and, uh, I do my part and swim, swim like a fish. And, and, uh, from there they said, Hey, why don't you come to Phoenix, Arizona? Um, uh, be our featured athlete there. We'll see how that goes. So I went and did Ironman Arizona, and what was key about that is uh, um, Quigley, our guitar tech that passed away, his family was from Arizona. And that was the first thing that I did, and so I got to do that race with his family there supporting me. And I'm, I'm, I'm on the run course, uh, uh, and, and somebody shows up and says, hey, I'm Quigley's, uh, I'm Quigley's cousin, and I just wanted to say thank you for taking care of him and doing this in his honor. Uh, and you, you go and it's mile 18 and someone else shows up and says, Hey, I'm uh, Quigley's uncle. So-and-so. And just along the way, these people showed up and you, for the first time in my life, I realized that, that, uh, motivation, uh, is not, is not what we need in life. Uh, motivation is not a driver. 
Uh, you can be motivated, but it doesn't last a long time. Uh, what we need is a why and a why that's bigger than yourself. Something that, that when you wake up in the morning, you can't say no to. And motivation is one of those things that you can wake up in the morning and say, I can do it later. But when the, when the why is bigger than you, you don't have a choice or you don't even want to have a choice. You want to dive in. And so my why was to, 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 to honor this friend and um, give the money uh, back to charity so that they could help somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that pushes you. It keeps you going. Um, after that, Iron Man said, hey, we want you to be the spokesperson for this campaign we have called Kona Inspires and go to Hawaii and do that. I had seven athletes who had various, um, you know, uh, someone with MS, someone who uh, had stage four lymphoma, someone who had uh, uh, stage four melanoma, a multiple stroke victim, all these people. And they said, you guys are a team. You're going to go do it. And it was partially my job to take care of them, which led to me thinking, I got to figure this stuff out from a coach perspective. Yep. And uh, I ended up just thinking, I want to be able to help these people because they all have a why. And the last thing that I want them to do is not be able to reach their goal because of the simple physical piece. The race is m- nothing more than a journey. Their why is what's important. Yep. We need to figure out the logistics of uh, getting them trained to get there. And so I went and got certified in just about everything that I could. Uh, and here we are some years later, and I'm uh, not only a guitar player, but a nutritionist and a multi-sport coach and a, um, uh, uh, you know, a, a movement specialist and have done all these things. And I work with team USA's triathlon program. I'm going to Australia to be the head coach for the world championships over there. And, um, uh, so it's just this marriage between taking what I've learned as a musician and the heartbeat and the storytelling of that. And then realizing, I guess at the end of the day, I'm a storyteller and I need the people to finish the, just like I need to know the chords to write a song. I need to know the technical skills of getting someone trained so that we can help them tell the song that is the story of their life. And so I guess uh, I'm just some kind of bizarre, uh, I use different medium now to tell stories in addition to song. Well, I think you encapsulated really anything I've ever coach because I've been doing this 25 years, but not on the music side, just on the coaching side and finding the why is absolutely the heart of keeping yourself going, getting yourself up out of bed. You're exactly right. Motivation only lasts so far. You know, you're the moment you don't feel like it. If you don't have a why you're done. Yeah. Done. Cause then the feelings, the feelings just stop you. The feelings get in the way and then "Ah, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. It's, I saw some stats that the average person tries to lose weight four times a year, the average American. And um, 91% of those, I'll be an optimist, 9% of those are successful. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Uh, so you flip it, 91% of those people are unsuccessful at losing weight four times a year. All of them are motivated to start. And yep. so if that's four times a year, that's once a quarter. That's 12 weeks. Let's say the motivation lasts eight weeks. So we have scientific evidence that says motivation only lasts about eight weeks max. Right. And if we're trying to do something long term, then motivation is not the primary fuel. It can't be. You've yep. got to have something that's more powerful than motivation. And, and that's defining what your why is. 
Do you ever find yourself wondering what you're going to eat for lunch? Wondering where you're going to go for dinner? You know, a really great way to not have to wonder where you're going to go or what you're going to get is to have the food already in the fridge. And if you're not a chef and you haven't prepared your meals on Sunday for the entire week, a really great way to do that is to get your food delivered from a service like The Good Kitchen. I've been doing it now for a long time. They send you once every couple weeks a FedEx package with Whole Life Challenge compliant. They will make it based on ketogenic options, vegetarian options, paleolithic options. And you stick them in your fridge and you've got them. You've got the answer solved to whatever thought is in your mind around, I don't know what to eat. Or I don't know what to eat that's healthy in my house. It's there. Whether, like I said, for me, it's it's lunches. But it, I've, I've also used them. I used them over the weekend, actually, for dinners. So if you want to check them out, I highly recommend it. Um, there's a special offer for podcast listeners. Get 15% off your first order. Use this link, thegoodkitchen.com forward slash WLC. You'll ne- you will not regret it. I promise. We've all heard the Simon Sinek stuff and the golden circle, which is, uh, it starts with why. And most of us say it start with uh, what? Well, okay, I want to do an Ironman. How? Okay, I, I guess I'll run around and swim a little bit. Why? I don't know. And the, the, <laughs> right. the, the first day where you go, so you're telling me I got to get my ass out of bed at four o'clock so I can go ride in a gazillion degrees, go to work and then come home and I got to run tonight? No, no. Motivation Motivation don't doesn't help with that. Right. It doesn't cover. Right. Well, so. when you if you take me back to when you made this change, you know, your the 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 stage has just collapsed. What what were some of the things you did given I mean, cuz I just think back to the way your life was. Yeah. And and how much effort it takes to actually make a change like that. Like I know you had a powerful why that was going to lead to you not quitting, but what were some of those things that you had to change that you, did you go to the doctor right away? Did you find a trainer? What did you do? Yeah. Well, I I did go to the doctor and that was my wife's a musician. She travels. She's the real rock star in the family and has traveled and done amazing things and still is. And is she playing a band or does she, is she a solo artist or she was, uh, she was the bass player in Sugarland at the time. She's gone on to play with a ton of other people. She's out with an artist named Marin Morris right now. They're out on tour with Nile Horan from One Direction and uh, uh, doing crazy stuff. Cool. Um, but I, I did go to the doctor. I found a doctor that was a concierge guy who uh, the first thing that he did was carried me into his office and sat down and we talked for an hour, which is the strangest thing that has ever happened. And I, So I go in, I start bawling with a doctor. You know, doctors usually spend 12 minutes with you and, right. Right. and, and say, here's some pills, see you later. Uh, and so I heard myself talk a little bit, you know, and, and he didn't, he didn't talk. He just asked a couple of questions and I heard myself. And, um, I guess the other piece of it is I just, I I think, I I think, uh, uh, when you have that, that resolution that, that is connected to a why for whatever reason, my brain said, well, all you got to do is just show up. And I, I had the, the, the piece of the music that said, okay, if I, if I practice this song or, or this piece of material uh, slower than it's supposed to be for a little bit of time, I'll get it. And then I can speed it up. And so the skills from, from 
practicing the music piece of it just made sense of that's how you that's how you build and I, and I and I started realizing quickly that that most of us are just paralyzed by a large goal when we were working in the studio with artists and and doing artist development they go go and say okay let's talk about your goals you're an artist what are your goals well my goal is to be on Saturday night live and to be on the cover of rolling stone and you think hey dude uh, those aren't goals. Those are cool dreams and aspirations. But a goal is tomorrow I'm going to write a song that's, that's, uh, that I like. Uh, simple as that. And, and, and so as a musician, it was, I need to get better at this one little piece of this song so that I can do my part in the band. And um, my brain just said, don't get paralyzed by saying, I need to lose a, uh, almost 100 pounds and I need to, to be able to do Ironman distance. My brain was just like, all I got to do is tomorrow's thing. And that's as simple as just getting up and going. And I think for whatever reason, um, we started this campaign now called the Human Renovation Project. And the whole thought is we, we, uh, we started paying attention to why the heck are there 558 million home improvement shows on television? Um, and, and you come to the realization that people actually get a tangible and real call to action from those because you can watch some lady who's never worked a table saw in her life, uh, get a table saw, cut a piece of baseboard and it cost her $45 at home Depot. And she did it. And you think I can do that. Uh, or, Hey, they moved a couch to the middle of the room and they got some of that blue tape and then they put it around the edges and they slapped some paint on the wall and it cost them 40 bucks in an afternoon. And we all see that. And our brains say, I could probably do that. And it's not scary. It's one manageable, tiny little piece. And so we watch these shows and there is some level of call to action. We watch them and we think I can do a tiny thing, but with our health and our fitness and that journey, you're just stuck on, I got a long way to go. I can't get there. And we're paralyzed. We can't take the first step. And so for us, we're just on this quest to say, Hey, uh, 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 it's one room at a time. Today, all you got to do is push the couch to the middle of the room, and then tomorrow we'll buy the blue tape and paint how, the wall. How did you create those first steps for yourself? Like, what were what were some of those? And did you just did you find it online? Did you just decide you're going to yeah. go for a walk every day? Did you like what did you do? Yeah, it was uh, the thing that we could do while we're on the road is you know you're in a you're in a venue you're um, we always say we're, uh, coming to a city near a city that you've heard of. <laughs> right. Right. All the music venues are, uh, not in a city. They're all, they put them in the burbs or they put them out in the outskirts and they just, you know, build an amphitheater and you're playing in Cincinnati, but it's really some city you've never heard of. Right. Right. And, uh, the thing that we could do every day was I could get off the bus and I could just run. And, uh, it was just chunks. It's like, can't do anything else. I can leave the gates. I've got my pass. They'll let me back in. I'm just going to run. And so we, um, uh, uh, my wife would do some with me, other guys in the band. And I just was like, I just got to do a little something today. And that snowballed from there. And you, you're able did, to did people to rally. Did people rally around you doing it or was there resistance? Was there, did you, were you doing it in the face of like people thinking you were nuts or like, what was the community like and in the involvement? You know what? Um, uh, it was about as supportive of an environment as I could, uh, I could ever hope for. Hmm. And everybody's doing their thing. And that's, that's, you know, everybody's out on the road and you're, you're vulnerable. You know, you cram everybody at the time we had, you know, 60 plus people 
on, on our crew and everybody's just frenetically going around doing the things that they need to do. This guy's uh, making sure the lights work. This guy's making sure the audio works and all these just constantly moving pieces. And, and so you're kind of paying attention to what people are doing, but you're kind of doing your job. You mm-hmm. touch base at dinner and go, how's it going? And you go from there. And so for me, it was, I just, I just need to do something. And people were, and they started to see, Oh, you ran, you ran an hour today. Oh, you ran an hour and 30 minutes. You're crazy. And you're going to play a show. <laughs> right. Uh, you got up and there's a Saturday morning. You went and ran a 10 K at the, uh, in the neighborhood 10 K that's in town or, uh, and then they want to go or they want to do something. And then the caterers, our chef gets involved and it's like, okay, we're going to set up a smoothie station and here's a Vitamix now. And so now you've got a smoothie and a juicer out here. Yep. And then the truck drivers say, uh, what am I supposed to do with this juicer thing? And then you have a conversation with a truck driver and, and, um, you know, it's, it's all this stuff is, is, uh, contagious and, yeah, yeah. and, you know, you bump into somebody and you sneeze on them and you have the flu. And then a month later, everybody in China has the flu too. And, and what we forget is kindness, um, uh, 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 small acts, encouragement, all these things are just as contagious. And, and, uh, if we can get somebody else just to do it, then, it becomes this uh, teeter-totter, this reciprocal thing, exactly like we were talking about with music. The crowd gets amped up, so you get amped up, and then you ratchet together up to, to, to this new level that you never thought you'd achieve. But I, th- I think if you stay in, in, in the mundane, and then you never have a chance. And, and I don't know, for whatever reason, I've, I've just felt like for the past few years, um, um, uh, my, my partner in crime that helps me do all this stuff, we, we say that our mission is, it's pretty simple. It's just we're uh, on a campaign to make people that think they're normal realize that they're capable of doing epic shit if they just say a little yes every day. And it's just a collection of those things that turn into to something magnificent. And I, I think most of us think, what did you do today? Well, I got up, I went to work, I came home. I got up, I went to work, I came home. I got up, I went to work, I came home. And uh, we're here to live life. We're not here to go to work, come home, go to bed, and, and go again. And, and, and so I, I don't know. I, I think now we're just wanting to, to make people realize, man, you've, you've got it. You know, your story is just as epic as uh, Benjamin Franklin or Moses or uh, any sure. of these stories that we've heard. And I always say that if I were to uh, bury, uh, if I were to write your story and bury it in a cave and someone were to go hiking and find it five years from now and read about the things that I write, I'm going to write the cool things on your life and a couple of the, the, the other things. And so they're going to think, oh, my gosh, you were a superhero. Right, right. So nobody throughout history, you don't know, you don't, you know, when you're reading uh, the, the great stories of old, you know, you don't hear about when Moses was, um, uh, when Moses was parking cars at the Hilton. As a <laughs> or, or oh, yeah, when, that's right. That's that yeah, part of the when, story. When Benj- Benjamin Franklin was bagging groceries at Kroger. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> uh, or are you sweeping up popcorn at the movie theater? Like those are the things that aren't there. Yeah, we hear about the epic things, and I just, I just have this belief after being around enough people that everybody has something that's magical and amazing. Everybody's been a hero one time, so you can do it again. It's just, I, I love that. I love that. You know, I mean, because I think about you being on the road. I think about all the things that get in the way of people achieving what you've achieved, and I think about you being on the road and the difficulties that come with that, and. You, you're what you were showering on a bus where we is that oh really it's even you're better at? you're showering you're showering in like the depths of an arena in like the uh 
the the visitors hockey team's locker room. Yeah. So, so everywhere you went, you were on the road. You had a bag. Oh, yeah, you had a traveling yeah. bag. You're and you're and you have to be ready to perform. So there could be part of your thinking that God, if I exhaust myself on a run, what if I can't? Did did that ever, did that ever go through your head? Like, what if I can't actually do what I'm supposed to be here yeah. to do? I, I don't think it went through my head as much as it went th- through some of my bandmates. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it was the. Uh, if you're like the the cardinal sin, the worst thing you could ever do on stage, you could have a, a uh, outbreak of Tourette's and, and yell profanities at the audience. <laughs> that's not as bad as yawning. Ah, huh. uh, and, and so that's the thing in the back of my mind. You, you know, when you feel it come on. Right. You know, uh oh. So that was the one thing that I, I, I thought if anyone in the band ever gets any. Uh, uh, inkling that uh, I'm, you know, tired and and don't have something for the show, then that's where you know support is probably going to change. But uh, instead, I would get off stage, uh, go straight to bed afterwards. And they're staying up, I'm going to bed, so I uh, I um, now go by the name Old Man Beatty. <laughs> nice, nice. Everybody's just. I relate to. very much to that. I, yeah. I don't, but your shows, you're probably up till what? At least midnight, right? I mean, yeah, I'm usually, show. I'm usually, I can, I can be in my bunk by midnight usually. Yeah, I have a hard time even with that. Like, I go to bed these days around nine fifteen. Now, I mean, I, I barely make it to put my son to bed, and then yeah. I'm like falling asleep on the couch. So uh, I relate very much to the yawn predicament. Oh yeah, I, um, I, I love it though. I, you know, it's fun. It's, it's, uh, it's exhausting, but the, the good part about it is when you're on the road, the bus is getting to the next venue. And a lot of times it's, you know, a six to eight hour drive. And so I can set my alarm for eight hours after I go to bed and more than likely we're just, just getting there. Yep. So there's nothing, yep. there's nothing. It's not like I can get up and go on a grand adventure before we get there anyway. So you get, you, you're able to sleep. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not enjoying some of the finer things that happen uh, in the twilight of the night. Were you ever not prepared for one of the triathlons or Ironman that you did? Like, were there, were did were you able to get the swimming in that you needed to get in, or the cycling because the, the yeah. amount of time that it takes to train for that? You know, uh, I feel like I was, and 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 I think sw- I got lucky just because uh, uh, once again I'm a redneck from Mississippi, and you got to get across the creek every once in a while. You got to, right. you know, you can't get eaten by the water moccasins, and so um, uh, I, I could at least I at least had the foundations of swimming, and uh, I wasn't scared by that, and and I think that's the biggest thing was I didn't have to overcome that, so I could get the fitness from swimming um, reasonably fast. And, and, uh, uh, in tandem with the running and the cycling that kind of came and, and I did it, I did it progressively cause I couldn't just kind of be on the road and just go, okay, I'm on the road. Now I'm doing straight to an Ironman. I mean, I was there, this trans, the whole transformation was a year long or so. Yep. And, and it, because I think the blessing was because I was on the road and because that forced me to maybe slow down and have to look at the goal, uh, as a longer term, you know, year long process. And maybe that was a blessing that I've never even thought of till right now. It just kind of paced me correctly. Yeah, right. And so from an injury standpoint, I was okay from all those things. And, and you think there are days that you need to swim and your only option is, you know, a YMCA 45 minutes away. And you don't have – this is, you know, you know, five, six years ago, no Uber. So you just right. think, well, can I 
I'm not going to pay a hundred dollars to ride a cab to go swim for, you know, 1500 yards. And you, you go, okay, well, I guess I'm supposed to do something else. And you, it, you're adaptive and you modify. And for me, I think what the average triathlete does is they're just locked to some, some, uh, static training plan. It's like this 24 week plan that I got says that, that in approximately 12 weeks from now on a Tuesday, I'm supposed to swim 2,400 yards and I'll be damned if I'm not going to do that. But what happens is they burn out or get hurt before they even ever get there. And so this forced me to have a dynamic approach to it. You know, I was able to um, learn to listen to my body probably just due to the fact that I didn't have the option. Yep. Couldn't get anywhere else. Couldn't do anything else. Or you're at a place where you can't go run. So you just ride your bike in a compound on a trainer mm-hmm. with breathing diesel fuel because all well, the buses everywhere. Uh, I don't know. I've never, that's a great question because I've never thought about that. But uh, I, I think I, I had the nerves that go with it. But from a preparation standpoint, I, I, I just think that um, not finishing was never an option. Yeah, right. And, right. And, and so it. What is it, your favorite part of training? You know, it, it all changes. It depends on the weather. It depends on where I am. It depends on my least favorite right now is swimming. Um, just because, uh, I haven't done much of it lately and it feels terrible. And, uh, and, and so right now my favorite part of it is running because being on the road, I decided this summer, I'm just gonna, um, Google trail running in, uh, Oklahoma city. And that's what I do. I'll just you know, Google something and it says, this trail is super cool. And it's, you know, you can hop in an Uber and hop, go over and, and you can kind of, you, you can use that as an opportunity to think, um, to be by yourself. The, the one thing that I did during training that everyone seems to be um, uh, blown away by is I did my entire year of Ironman training with no music. Uh, I didn't that was, listen my, to- that was my next question, actually. That's so yeah. funny you said that. Yeah. As I've grown in my spiritual development, my own and built my own confidence inside, one of the practices that I hold dear and true to my heart is journaling. And it hasn't always been that way, and I haven't always known what to write. Well, one of the sponsors of the Whole Life Challenge is the Happier Mind Journal, and it has got an incredibly great system around journaling that helps with prompting you that helps with it helps with guiding you in drawing upon all five of your senses when you're writing each day it helps you gain gain clarity around what you want Um, it helps you find your voice and your voice is your guidance system your internal guidance system Um, It also, one of the things I really love about it is it's built into the system is a review of what you've been writing. So every, I think it's about 10 days, you go in and you actually look back and you're like, am I writing anything valuable here? Do I want to mine the nuggets, the gold out of my own journal? And it guides you through that process too. So uh, they are a sponsor of the Polite Challenge. If you go to happiermindjournal.com and you use the code WLC20 at checkout, you'll get 20%, a 20% discount on your first order. So check it out. It is a really valuable purchase. You'll be very happy. You at least tried it out. And you know, if you're so inspired, you'll keep, you'll keep ordering because it's really, really good stuff. So there you have it. I, I didn't listen to no anything. No music. Wow. 
And I think it was weird for whatever reason. uh, I don't want to call it masochistic in any way, uh, but part of it was I would be in, I'd be going to the studio later that day and I'm going to be listening to music all day long. And it was an opportunity to not have noise. And then what I quickly realized is being in that environment was a place that I wasn't comfortable and it's it, it forced you to pick your scabs in some way. You know, we all have all of this stuff that we pack down and and we don't let it bleed out and get it cleaned up. And so when you're on a hundred mile bike ride and you look at the watch and think, Okay, cool. I've been going for seven minutes. In my mind I've, I've been going three hours, but it's are seven we almost minutes. are we almost there yet, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> and, and and so knowing that you just have to uh you wrestle. And you wrestle with your thoughts and you go down these rabbit holes and you, there are times where I'd be on the bike and I'd just start bawling. Uh, and it's, uh, uh, now I was in the zone then now I'm scared of that again. And I know that, that there are things like just this week, um, uh, my business partner, uh, relocated to Detroit. And so, uh, we've been running all of the, our day-to-day operations from Nashville in a certain flow for a number of years. And now, uh, 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 the way that just normal everyday flow is, is totally different. Starting so this today. is flow for your business regarding training or this is everything? Yeah, just the, the, the things that we do with the Human Renovation Project, Music Moves, and all of the, the clients that we work with. So yep. I just have a normal flow and a structure. And yep. I didn't realize how kind of how you have routines. And now even this morning, so today, that was, she moved yesterday. And so day, today, I scheduled this podcast for today because I knew I would need, need some form of distraction so that I didn't just kind of walk around wondering what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> so even like uh, uh, this morning, we, we do our cycling class early in the morning. I led that. And then it's like, normally I'll go get coffee. And I'm thinking, well, this is weird because this is what we normally do. And I don't, I'm not used to this. And so I'm having to kind of face fears. And so I think I'm being forced every day we say, do something that scares you. You tell people to do that. And and it's funny how the universe simply looks at you and goes, hey, hey now you have to do it. Because it's easy to stand up in front of people and go, rah, 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 I'm Mr. Motivator guy. I'm a cheerleader guy. You're going to do this. It's going to be all great. Just say yes to something that scares you every day or or wake up and be motivated. It's, you know, it's a, I'm a broken record probably a lot of times. Uh but the awesome thing about this is now you get thrust into situations where you go, well, shit, I have to be the great. Now I got to do it. So yeah. I'm trying to then say the things that scare me are uh, uh, your daily patterns change a little bit and you're used to certain things. And now that has to change and evolve and, and get comfortable with, you know, doing things differently and change and, and balancing things up and, uh, a shakeup. And, and so, uh, I'd say in the past week, um, I've been able to, um, be empathetic with people in ways that I haven't in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I wasn't trying to, I just didn't get it. And so, you know, you grow and, and, um, I'm trying to have an awareness for that so that I can, uh, be a better friend and supporter, a better husband, a better, um, uh, better partner, uh, um, and, and, and better, uh, better coach. So I, I think it's very easy to fall into the trap of, um, like, especially perhaps the way you have changed your life and the things that was, that was so scary when you first started, the things that were, that put you out of your comfort zone when you first started, they, they could easily 
continue to be stories in your life about how you're courageous every day and taking these steps to make sure you stay in the, the kind of fitness you're in. But I think what yeah. you're describing is beautiful in that you're, you're willing to step outside those zones that were comfortable or that, I'm sorry, that were scary. Yeah. Now are a little bit more comfortable. And now you're having to find and face fears that are completely in different areas that yeah. have nothing to do with the experience that you had before of that required great courage. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. And I, you know, I, like I said, this summer has been, uh, um, uh, an exercise in slowing down and seeing story. And like I said, using the camera to do that and not knowing anything about it. The other thing that I decided to do was they, in the venues, you just imagine a giant arena, there's security people that they plant all along the way. And it's just someone whose job is to guard this hall or to guard that hall or to do this and that. And I, I, I've made it a vow to anybody that I have to pass several times during the day, I'm going to learn their name. And every time I pass, I'm going to say their name. And um, uh, not wanting to get emotional about it, but I have seen the power. Uh, my life has been changed by just walking by, learning someone's name and saying, uh, hey, John. And then they, there's someone that sits there for 11 hours, 12 hours a day, and no one ever says anything to them. And you build a relationship with somebody in the day and you pause and you just take a second and you see how powerful that is. And, and, uh, stepping out of that side or just pausing to take a second to, um, you know, whether it's scary or uncomfortable or not convenient to do that. And, and it's, it's taken from that. There's, there's, uh, I'm reminded, uh, after all the Ironman stuff, uh, that we did originally, I was asked to work on a TV show called Extreme Makeover. Yeah, right. And uh, this was a, a pivotal moment for me life-wise. You know, I've accomplished a ton of stuff. I've done a, a, a ton of uh, athletic stuff at this point and had gotten certified to coach and it helped a ton of other people do stuff. And the show reached out and said, hey, we have someone that their goal is uh, 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 an Man event. Can you work with them? And I said, sure. And they said, well, you got seven months. Uh, she weighs 340 pounds. Uh, she's an African-American Mormon lesbian and comes from this crazy past. Uh, so it's, uh, you know. That's a it, hell of a combination. Good grief. Yeah. Really? Yes. So wow. she got to check a ton of boxes. And so uh, I said, we're in. Let's go for it. And so from that point forward, she became my coach. And I've realized that all the people that I've worked with, I thought I was coaching them but they're my coach. And um, so she, we, we go to this race. Uh, uh, she couldn't swim at all. Uh, she couldn't ride a bike and, or hasn't ridden a bike since she's 13. And clearly it's hard to run when you weigh that much. Yep. Because of the journey race day, she weighs 199. And um, I learned very quickly that I'd never been through one of these events. You say, are you scared or you don't feel prepared or, or did you struggle in any of the races? And it's like, yeah, we've, I've been average. You know, I'm going to start, I'm going to finish it. Mm -hmm. And you think that's how it is. But, but to go through a journey with someone who has the real possibility that they're not going to finish, mm -hmm. uh, was mine was, was life changing for me. And to see someone really dig as deep as they possibly can. So, uh, she made it through the swim. We had one minute before the cutoff, we get to the bike and there's incremental cutoffs. Uh, one of them was a time cutoff at 1130. And it was the turnaround point. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we get to this orange cone that's, sim that's the turn to come back. 
I look down at my watch. It's 1130 on the dot. Uh, we make it in with only minutes to spare on the bike cutoff. We're the last people to leave the bike to go out on the run. So we're the last last people in the event. And are you doing it with her? Yeah, are you- I'm doing it with her. Okay. And shortly thereafter, some, some guy uh, shows up on a bike with a sign that says Marshall. And this is the guy. He's there saying as soon as you don't make a cutoff, they pull you. Yep. And uh, uh, it moves into my job is now just to make sure that the pace we're going gets us to the next cutoff. Yeah, right. And it's just make the next cutoff. That's the only thing that matters. Yeah. And I started thinking, wait, it's not about the finish line a lot of times in life. It's, it's just the next cutoff. All you got to do is do the things that do that. The next cutoff's in a mile. We need 12 seconds a mile faster than what we got going on now. We can do that. And so you break it down into those, you know, like I said, this human innovation piece, the let's move the couch to the middle of the room. Yeah. And the, the aid stations are shut down. I mean, when we get there, there's a lady standing there with two cups of water. There's one for you, one for her, and you keep going. We go to the, we, we make it. We come to the finish shoot, you know, the big red carpet, yeah. the grandstands. Everyone is gone. They've left Jeez. for the day. Yep. They, and, and, and so how many hours in is this like 17, 18 hours? She did a half and it was eight hours and 46 oh, minutes okay. was our time. Got it. And, um, uh, we crossed the finish line and, you know, just, it's just us. No one's there. No one's there to celebrate the fact that she did something truly unbelievable. She pushed herself beyond, uh, the, the emotional and, and mental barriers uh, that were uh, 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 insurmountable, mm-hmm. you know, on paper. And she did it. And and so what I've gotten to watch and the way that she's coached me since then is what happens when you go through something like that and you cross the finish line is from that point in time forward, she moves with the confidence of knowing that she accomplished something that on paper didn't seem possible. And so something comes up and she can always weigh it next to that. The trajectory of her life was changed uh, in the way that she processes and thinks about things. And uh, I I pay attention to that now almost on a daily basis. And it it led to uh, just chatting with various people. And um, another person I was was chatting with uh, was was, uh, oddly enough a Hebrew scholar. And he said, you know what, it make, it, this is interesting because when Adam is mentioned for the first time in the Bible, his name translates not as the first dude or the guy that's going to hook up with, with Eve or apple-eating guy. Uh, his name <laughs> translates as the remembering one. So huh. the first dude shows up and his whole job is to remember. And uh, I know that seems weird because we have this Indiana Jones thing going on. It's like, yep, I'm going to get this cool chalice, but I got to go across this crevasse and there's this magic invisible bridge. And as soon as I get to the other side, I can throw some dirt on it and realize that my blind faith got me there. But the thought is, no, that's not really what what belief or faith is. Uh, It's the ability to simply go, huh. I did this thing before and that's kind of like this and I pulled that off. So that means I can pull this off too. And if you go through life, just thinking back going, okay, what is similar to this that I've accomplished? Well, this was close and I did this this way. Yeah. I can tweak it this way and that will propel me uh, forward and help me do this. And, and it really just becomes 
the mental piece um, to help you figure it out. It's it's a, a primary thing in the Sudoku puzzle of life. You know, it's like yeah. ah, now I know where the nine and the three go always, and that's not blind. That's right. that's hard and fast evidence. And and so I watch a she now thinks back, remembers what she did, and now everything is different. Everything has changed. And it's just a massive, massive uh, thing that, that I've been blessed to learn from. Has she been able to keep the weight off and continue her journey toward? She's got a good bit of the weight off. Uh, she started something called Dent Your Pounds Away. She's, she works with African-American women who are, uh, you know, body shaming is huge. And so she, uh, she didn't have all the skin removal surgery. So she's still got a ton of excess skin from that. Mm-hmm. And she just finally one day said, this is who I am. You know, she looks great. Uh, she's, uh, you know, got a, uh, nowhere near what she was before, but all the skin is there. And she's finally said, everybody else that goes to dance class gets to wear their sports bra. Why can't I boom? And she one day just, just said, I'm going for it. And now she's, uh, she's working in that world to help people trans transform how, how they view their body. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to be healthy moving forward and to do things that they can do in that kind of weight loss scenario. Does the skin eventually go back into shape or will it just not? I think when it's that extreme, uh, hers has not. And right. many people that we've worked with that have been that extreme always have, um, some level of excess skin. I think when, when you're talking 200 pounds yep. or, or, or so, then it, it, that's a, that's a tough one just to naturally get back. Yep. Huh. Yeah. Um, well, we made it through question number one. <laughs> You know, what's funny is I've been looking down on my sheet of paper that's sitting here on my desk, right? So I'm glancing down at it and I'm like, okay, and I'm checking them off because we're already, we're already answering them. You know, like Good. what are some of the most important lessons you've learned, perhaps the hard way that have led to your success and who is or yeah. the people that have had the most profound impact in your journey in life and why? If you had a magical megaphone that could reach everyone in the world and infuse them with your wisdom, what are the most important things you'd, you'd tell them i mean we've yeah. we've, we've we're, we're covering yeah. it which out without even me asking them so it's well, great I mean, it's, it's i think yeah so the the thing that i'm telling every you know if, if i have the megaphone it's everybody's been a hero uh like i said uh uh you you've done it it's a repeatable pattern and the deal is you know the avengers deal is like a gazillion billion dollar movie uh and the cool thing about the avengers uh uh is um it's not like Superman or Batman. It's like everybody knows this guy. This guy can change the world, and this guy has a magic belt full of crap that you know he's Batman. Like the you know the marquee A list superheroes. Yeah, right. Avengers the ones we the ones I grew up with. I mean, I grew up with all those guys. I mean, that was a big, huge part of my my yeah. uh, childhood. So the, yeah. So the Avengers is a collection of dudes who have like tiny powers. Right. But they come together and say, "I'm going to use my tiny power with your tiny power, and we're going to get shit done." And so uh, I don't think the Green Lantern is an Avenger, but you think about it. All right, he's a superhero who has a ring that shoots out a flashlight, and now he can help save the world. So <laughs> right. these, guys can't, these guys can't do anything until the dude with the flashlight ring shows up. Or, right. uh, cool, I can turn into an ant. Uh, right. And, and right. somehow they come together and do these things, and it's like, man, you're, everybody has these superpowers and these things that you can do that are, that are crazy. Uh, and then... Well, I think one of the other questions was who has influenced you or, or made an impact. And it's all people that all people that I've have asked me to coach them who in reality, when you look back have coached me. And one of the most 
uh, pivotal ones is this kid that we've worked with for a number of years. His name's Johnny Agar. His, uh, he was born with cerebral palsy. Uh, his dad was a pro baseball player. And the mom says, um, you know, this is, uh, 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 he's born. The mom, uh, doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know if the father and son are ever going to bond. Uh, and for whatever reason, as this kid grows up, he's just fascinated by sports and just says, I can still be an athlete. And they instill the, the thought that he can be supposed to never be able to walk. And, uh, eventually the mom says, well, well, dad, why don't you just take him on a 5k run and push him and see how it goes. And of course the dad pushes him. They start doing other events together. Johnny grows up, uh, doing some of these things and it's their way of bonding. But then Johnny says, well, uh, I think it's about time for me to learn to walk because you're getting tired of running me around. I need to, I need to do my part too. So this kid that's never supposed to walk, um, uh, gets into a great therapy. Uh, he, uh, uh, eventually says, we're going to do an Ironman event. I'm going to walk the last mile. It takes him two hours to walk a mile at this point in time. Um, today he can walk uh, a mile in 30 minutes. He and his wow. dad have, have completed wow. some, uh, some of these crazy long endurance events. They just, uh, you know, all, all of these ridiculous things. And so we've gotten to see Johnny, uh, at the end of his dad going all day long, get out of, uh, get out of the chariot and walk the last wow. piece of it. And so in working with them, uh, we did a, a ton of press and people wanted to know Johnny's story, but they asked a lot of the same questions. And so being the impatient person that I am, I said, uh, uh, I'm gonna start asking the questions and, and y'all, y'all will get some good stuff cause it'll be different stuff. Cause it's just stuff I want to know. And I know that it's safe to ask. Yep. And one day Johnny and I were having a conversation. It was, was, uh, I want to know what really scares you. None of this mumbo jumbo, but what are you afraid of? And this kid says, you know what? I think most people are afraid of failure and they, they don't start because they're afraid or they're paralyzed by that in some way or another. But my life is a collection of catastrophic failures on a daily basis. If I need to go to the bathroom, um, you know, 50% of the time, I'm going to pee or poop my pants. If I need to just get out of my chair to get in my bed, if I do it on my own, I'm probably going to end up on the floor. So I have to wait for someone to dress me. I have to wait for someone to move me around. If I eat, I'm going to spill it all over myself. If I drink, I'm going to be wet from it. Um, and he said, so I'm extremely comfortable with failure. And as a result, that's allowed me to accomplish things that I'm not supposed to accomplish. And he went on to say, for me, the thing that scares me is to go uh, to go to bed at night and uh, be haunted by the fact that I didn't try something. Uh, to have regret that I didn't go for it or try is the biggest fear that I have because I never want to wake up the next day and think that I didn't try because then uh, it only takes a few days of that and you start to build a pattern. Yep. You start to build a pattern of not trying. And then over the course of time, um, that rewrites your potential and you let one day of not trying then change what you have the potential to accomplish. And you think, geez, you know, and so the kind of, in some ways, the question, um, that I ask myself now is what, what do I regret that I didn't go for today? Or will I regret that I'm not going for this now? And it's, it's not big things. It's not like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, 
uh, put all my money in Vegas on black 21 or whatever. Yep. It's just some little bitty tiny thing, having a conversation with you and sharing something vulnerable. Yeah. I, I, it's funny because as you were re- relating that story, I thought to a time when I was at my cousin's wedding and I didn't, I, I thought that it would be nice if I stood up and said something cause she didn't have, uh, her brother wasn't going to do it and she yeah. didn't have a man to do it and I didn't do it. And I still yeah. to this day think back to that time and, that I didn't, that I didn't step up and there've been probably two or three times that, I, that there's been that opportunity to stand up and kind of, you know, declare it and say something and that I've shirked from that. And yeah. those, they still, they still affect me and they still haunt me. And, um, um, yeah, I, I can yeah. totally relate to that. Breaking Ordinary podcast grows, thrives, continues to change people's lives, to, to, to influences people through conversation. It does that by building its audience. And the way we build our audience, we don't advertise, we don't, I, I barely promote. I, you know what? I share it on Instagram. Sometimes I don't, I'm not even consistent sharing it on Instagram. Um, I rely on you guys. I rely on listeners who hear something really compelling and decide, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to send that to my best friend. I'm going to send that to my wife. I'm going to send that to my coworker. I'm going to send that episode, just one episode. Let them then do whatever they want with it. You know, if they want to subscribe, great. It, that's the way this thing grows. And I really, you know, in advance of you doing anything, want to just express my gratitude for you being willing to consider doing that. Uh, You know, the other way it grows is for it to uh, build a reputation inside iTunes. And that happens through your reviews. So whether it's a five-star, four-star, hopefully it's one of those two reviews, but also writing, writing something about it. It makes a huge difference in iTunes. So if you could consider doing either one of those things, sharing it on Instagram, sharing it on Facebook, sharing the episode, or your insights that you got out of the episode, I would really appreciate it. So thanks in advance, and let's get back to the show. Yeah, I think my, uh, it's funny. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a yapper, so more than yours is a uh, that you feel like you should have set up to say, say something, and mine's probably I should have sat down and not said something. <laughs> it's so. right. Or not said so much for so long. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so what what's next for you? What are you? Um, what what get, what's your why now? Yeah, I think right now the thing that really is the driver, the why is I just can't I can't lose uh, this this thing inside of me that feels as though we have the ability in community to change the world, and in a and in a world that is so obsessed with with. Uh, uh, being right or wrong, being black or white, uh, and most of the answers are uh, uh, are somewhere in the gray. Uh, yeah. It's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I think the the why that I have now is this honest belief that everyone's individual story is so powerful that if they embrace that, that uh, we can we can start an epidemic of change, and it just comes by uh, one person. Uh, realizing that they're ignited and they bump into the person next to them. And I, and I, I think I just walk around and I see everyone as a, as a five gallon uh, uh, jug of gasoline and all they're doing is waiting for someone to trip and drop a match on them and then they can explode. And then when it happens, you know, we know you're in California, so it's wildfires. 
those things spread like crazy. And so I just have this vision uh, in my mind that I'm haunted by of uh, uh, we have to um, bump into the person next to us and start an epidemic of kindness. We have to bump in the person next to us and and help them uh, realize that that they can do so much more than they thought of. And 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 all I can do is uh, do that to the people that I come in contact with. And it's not about it's not about doing anything crazy or or anything. It's it's as simple as the the people that you encounter just trying to get them to to realize their potential. And so uh, my why is this belief that that there's a ton of epic stories that uh, need to be told. And I want to get to the bottom of it uh, so that I I just that's my belief on how we're going to make change. And it's, you know, um, uh, it it just seems like the, the, the way that I can control, you know, I can't. Uh, I can't write a letter to Congress and, and feel like it's going to do very much. Uh, it doesn't mean that you don't do your part in that uh, and you don't have a voice there, but it just means that I want to be active and I want to get involved and do the things. And so uh, we have a community here in Franklin, Tennessee that, that uh, we watch, watch as it grows. And uh, there's nothing more joyous than, than seeing someone become empowered and become inspired mm-hmm. and then to watch them ignite someone else and then just to see the chain reaction. So I guess we're, uh, we're starting our own uh, multi-level marketing plan with uh, making people uh, realize that they're superheroes. With no exchange of money, just an exchange okay. of, no, of kindness. No exchange of money. Right. It's just, it's just the Avengers are going to take over. Pay it and forward. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I just get motivated by that. And, and you know, you know there's, I love, there's one thing that you said that I want to key in on because I think in today's political climate with uh, President Trump and whatnot, which I don't want to talk about, but um, uh, people get so embroiled and hooked on things that they really have no power to do anything about. And yeah. I mean, they, they do, they can go to the, they can go to the polls and they can elect whoever they want to elect yeah. and do whatever they want to do. But, but on a day-to-day basis and they, and it gets in the way of their, you, like you, like you've described so well, these little bite-sized chunks that they can do to be kinder, to be yeah. more loving, to be more helpful, to be more respectful and to, and to be disciplined about the way they're going to approach their life so that they take the next step. And yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a very quick thing to, to get hooked into whether it's social media or politics or, you know, whatever's your thing. And man, when you start to add up the hours that you're spending watching the Wolf, Wolf Blitzer or whatever news program you yeah. watch or whatever social media channel you watch, it just robs you of your aliveness, of your life. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, we see the power of um, that ignition, that bumping into someone else. And what you can do to spark them. Uh, unfortunately, the example we have is primarily negative. Yeah. And if someone makes a statement in a social media platform uh, that's uh, uh, outside of your black or white, um, or it's their version of one, um, then the the firestorm happens, and it's all uh, vitriolic and and it, it just. Uh, uh, angry and enraged and you see how strong passion can be and the impact that passion can have. Why can't we then take that same energy and do things that are going to matter? Because I guarantee you the people that are, that are, that are taking that approach, their lives are going to be more enriched and better 
by using that same energy uh, uh, to be nice to the guy at Starbucks yeah. because the next day when they come in, that guy's going to remember their name and they're going to be hit with a flood of dopamine and their entire day is going to change. Yep. And uh, uh, it, it's it's powerful. And so, uh, uh, you know, if, if uh, I don't know, I'm just trying to remind myself of, of that and it's, it's um, – uh, listen, listen to everybody, listen, listen to these things. And, and yeah, everybody has an opinion and everybody's entitled to that, uh, which is what's the beautiful piece of it. But why can't we have those opinions and uh, go, Oh, great idea. I'm reading Benjamin, you know, the Benjamin Franklin biography right now, uh-huh. uh, which is uh, I, I've decided on this tour. If I can read 10 pages a night, then I can finish it uh, in my lifetime. Uh, <laughs> How many thousand pages is it? Is it a thousand it's pages? It's brilliant. And it's Walter Isaacson and everyone on earth should read it because this dude is he's at 27 amazing. years old. You know, he's, he's, uh, I mean, when he was going back and forth, the first time he's going to buy a printing press, it takes him 11 weeks, one way on a boat. Um, wow. Just to get over there. Right. I mean, 11 weeks to get back. And he's done all this he spent half his life going on a boat back and forth. So I guess this, if you're stuck on a, on a small boat for, a, for 22 weeks a year, you can think some things through. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but his whole thing was, uh, he was known uh, as a listener in a lot of ways. And his whole thing was keep asking questions and, and twofold. One, you, you find better solutions, but two, people that are so passionate uh, about something one way or another, um, end up hearing themselves and talking themselves through it. And if you're, if you're uh, compassionate on the other side and just keep asking, then eventually they start to hear and you ask questions that affect you or impact you. And slowly they start to go, huh? And so it's, uh, I always hate talking about this because I've just spent an hour talking to you and not listening. But the rest of the time I'm at least attempting to attempt to listen (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, on that note, Thad, thank you so much. Um, how how do people find you if they want to ask you a question? Are you on Twitter? Yeah. Are you on Instagram? Or yeah, the easiest thing is um, uh, the easiest thing is I try to be as accessible as I can. It's music that moves on uh, Instagram, cool. and uh, I refused to get on um, um, uh, Facebook for a long, long, long time. And an organization that I was working with said, "You've got to be on there. We'll just give you a code name." Uh, so that uh, it at least would be kind of more difficult to find. So I'm Captain Thad on Facebook. Cool, so, cool. Captain Thad on Facebook, Music That Moves on Instagram. And your uh, website, do you have a website? Nope. nope. No websites. Right. There it is. Stuff. We're like right. old school around cool. here. Love it. Everyone Love it. tells me that I need to, but it's just something else that I will uh, have in my life that will be outdated. Totally, totally. Just like my stage wear from uh, two years ago. You know, I think that's the thing about musicians. <laughs> Uh, you realize junk that I've worn, uh, you know, uh, I'm not good at making short-term decisions about things that are uh, supposed to be fashionable or trendy or look cool. So I've almost just decided not to. Anymore. If you wear it long enough, it gets back in style, right? Yeah, I mean, so that's what like, I keep I telling my wife. I, maybe 40 years from now, uh, yeah. it'll come back in style. It, might, it doesn't take that long. It doesn't. It, like I've had some things that I've kept that my wife has been trying to get me to get rid of. And, you know, like 15 years, I'm like, oh, hey, look, honey, it's right back. Yeah, she's like, oh, see, God, don't get me hey, started. <laughs> three, three inch running shorts never go out of style, though. Yeah, right. Boom. How about, but how about that? We when we when we first started like bathing the bathing suits back when I was growing up, 
They were all above the knee. They were, you know, there was no such thing as you wearing like shorts below the knee. And now mm-hmm. all the ba- all the suits you b- go to buy, even shorts, are all above the are cut above the knee, which I don't really like anymore. I like the below the knee. So yeah, you know, maybe well, I'm just well, behind the times. Well, I just uh, I just buy mine at Costco now. Everybody thinks, uh, yep. you know, all this music <laughs> folks are, uh, uh, you know, like uh, uh, have the four hundred dollar t shirts. Like, nope, Costco. Go to Costco. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Find a, a cool-looking pair of $13 pants on Amazon. Good to go. Good to go. Good to go. Hold on. I'm going to stop the live stream. Hang on one second. Yeah. All right. Dude, thank you so much. Holy cow. Oh, I mean, yeah, I am man. so inspired by what you do and the words you say and the, the way you articulate kind of what you're up to in the world. It's really, really inspiring. Well, I think I think I'm. I just want to say I'm, I'm super grateful. Thanks for taking a second to sit down and ask questions. And I'm sorry that I talked so much. And um, no, not a, no apology necessary. So at I all. hope that, that you got what you needed and it's useful. And, and absolutely, that, you know, uh, people are are, are um, you know stirred in some way. Hey, it's Andy, and thanks so much for listening. If you want to know more about what I'm learning each month, head over to andypetronic.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. If you were touched, moved, or inspired by anything you heard today, chances are someone else you know would be too. Please take a moment to think about who and send them a link to this episode. And if you're super stoked, please head over to iTunes to write a review. The best way to keep current on guests and episodes is to subscribe so that the latest one will automatically get delivered straight to your phone. The apps I use for this are Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or Pocket Casts. The Andy Petronic Podcast is produced by our team, Winslow Jenkins, Becca Borowski, and Ernie Hurtado. Big thanks to Nikki Grudadaria for the artwork. You can find all of our episodes, links, and complete show notes at wholelifechallenge.com forward slash podcast. I'm Andy Petronic. Thanks for listening.